Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Nylon 9 Podcast. It is episode 128 of the Nylon 9 Podcast. It's myself and Andrea Cleary here. How are you doing, Andrea? Hey, I'm good. I'm doing really well. Good. <laughs> uh, so on this episode, we're going to be... Okay, well, am, I, am I telling people? Yeah, tell them. For sake. <laughs> All right. Okay, this is the second time we're recording this podcast because we did it yesterday. And uh, we had... You had tech issues. So yesterday's intro was me losing the plot because <laughs> the previous hour had been me having like seriously intense tech issues between my computer, my focus right thing, my mic, my headphones, my internet connection. It was a nightmare. And then we got there in the end. And all the while I was sitting here going, oh, well, we'll get it working. We get yeah, it working. you're sitting then... there like teacher's pet, like, well, all my audio is working. But then... <laughs> Ha-ha. Yeah, then I checked it during the recording, but then when I went back and listened to it, everything was all muffly and weird and bubbly. Um, so basically, I, nothing was usable. And then we tried to use the Zoom backup, and I started editing this podcast already. Yeah, um, and I got ten minutes in, I was like, I can't really hear myself and what yeah. I'm saying because I had to use the Zoom backup, and I was like, okay, right, we're just gonna have to do it again. So here we are, dedication. Here we are again. It is, is now is Friday. Here. Yeah. It's now Friday, so fuck it. Fuck, we do it live. We'll do um, it live. <laughs> I'm I'm going to be talking about Lana Del Rey's new album, Chemtrails Over the Country Club. What you, the listener, will hear is yesterday's review because I did everything perfectly. So you'll you'll get to hear me on Thursday reviewing Lana Del Rey. And then you and I now are going to talk about what the future holds for the live events industry yes. in Ireland and elsewhere. Yeah, because I felt like it was now a year in from gigs being closed. We're checking in on what's been happening in the world of uh, live music. What are the chances that live music will come back this year? Um, how are we in Ireland affected by what's going on around the world, uh, especially in the UK, because they're our closest neighbour? Um, and 
what are the likely uh, outcomes of what's going to happen over the next few months? I know that like there's a bit more because it's spring. People are a bit more, you know, optimistic about things, and um, mm. people are buying tickets for gigs. There was a series of gigs announced earlier this week from the likes of like Dry Cleaning, Wolf Alice, Girl in Red, and Metronomy, and it seemed to awaken a lot of people. I remember when I did the the news thing about it on on the site, just seemed to be a lot of interest all of a sudden. It was like, wow, people are not being paying attention. And I was seeing the stats and stuff on the on, on my side when I put up anything about gigs. You're just like, people have checked out. Mm. And it makes sense because, you know, it's been a year since venues in Ireland closed and elsewhere. Um, 365 days plus in the intervening year, we had a summer of guesswork, kind of shifting restrictions, levels and carrot dangling about reduced capacity gigs. People talking about whether we could put on drive-in gigs and then they were cancelled and then festivals like electric yeah driving gigs as a thing really didn't take off remember those were those were the big (laughs) things at the beginning that yeah that really didn't happen um yeah did did the gavin james well it was gavin james wasn't it did that one ever go ahead no it got pulled Um, okay i think it was I don't know if it, was, it wasn't officially told. I don't think it could mm. go ahead, but there was some issue. It was like maybe the insurance or something like that. Or actually, I think it was told it was, couldn't go ahead, but I think it was because of that reason as opposed to the mm. actual setup of it. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that was the early time when people were trying to desperately to do something. Yeah. And, you know, I compare it to, if you compare it to the theatre world, for example, the theatre world is kind of admitted to me anyway, what I can see, because there was a huge flurry of activity in theatre last year with the Abbey Theatre stuff and, and there is still some stuff happening obviously but, yeah it's still going you know, on opera it's a, it's, I, the Irish opera uh, scene is kind of is really adapting as well to the whole live it? stream thing yeah yeah okay so I mean we're all trying to figure it out but like we've settled on live streams that's fine um, but what happened in the last year was especially with uh, festivals like Picnic people were kind of going oh is it going to happen is it not going to happen and then Melvin Man was like it is going to happen don't worry about it <laughs> it's all be, we're all, all going to be, be talking about something else in two weeks time wasn't yeah. that it yeah that's it. So, I mean, there was a certain element of fatigue that has hit because of this, because, you know, people were being told different things. They were getting their hopes up. Their hopes were being dashed. And very quickly, obviously, it became obvious that, you know, nothing was really going to happen. And then towards late last year, we had some small cap uh, live shows, the kind of things that were just very tiny, uh, outdoor and live stream shows as well, supported by uh, government uh, funding, which is the first time that a commercial sector like the uh, live music industry, which is the first to uh, close and will be the last to reopen. And the first time they've actually got money um, from the government, the live performance support scheme enabled people to put on live stream stuff and uh, got money for their, for, for hiring backstage and artists and all that kind of stuff. So that's mm. currently opening again at the moment. It's 25 million um, for live performances that will occur on or before 30 to September 2021. And there's a, a whole range of other schemes that we, we've covered on the site as well and are currently available to people. So I won't go into them too much. Um, so that's kind of like what's been going on at the moment. We're, we're focusing on live streams. Um, there's very little else happening. But I guess the reason I'm bringing this up now is because... You know, people are starting to think about this. You're seeing some more interest. You're seeing, um, you know, Festival Republic in the UK. Um, sorry, you're seeing you're seeing talk about whether the picnic will go ahead or not. Again, hearing things that people are saying, oh, the electric picnic will go ahead in one form or another. Mm. Hmm, we will see. 
Um, I don't think that is true. That's just something that people have to say for insurance reasons, is my opinion. So I think that's one of the reasons why they're saying that kind of stuff. We're trying to toe and pedal this line that maybe, you know, something may happen so that people might buy tickets and then things will continue. Because uh, promoters, no matter who they are, big or small, do need some cash flow and they're hoping hoping for those kind of things. So, but what's happening? Obviously- you, you, you stumbled across a, an, an, an interesting portmanteau there with uh, <laughs> what we're, what's actually happening. We're, yeah, we're, we're hoping at the moment. We're hoping. Yeah, we're all yeah. full of hoping. Um, so the UK obviously announced the big news a few weeks ago that they would reopen, fully reopen in the UK for gigs and events and all that kind of stuff on June 21st. And that also means no social distancing. And this is with the provision that vaccination targets are met and new COVID variants take don't take hold. Obviously, that's a big provision at the moment. But of course, with with the UK being way ahead of us in terms of vaccination, um, they are in a position where they can announce these kind of things, maybe, potentially. It is possible for them. Like, it's it's March now. We're talking June they reckon so many people will be vaccinated that they'll be able to do non-social distancing mm. gigs. Midsummer so, is their big reopening day, isn't it? The 21st. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. Um, same for Scotland as well. Um, and what happened is immediately after that announcement from Boris Johnson was that the a lot of tickets start getting sold. 170,000 tickets on from Live Nation events alone in three days. Mm. Uh, the Reading and Leeds Festival were like, we're back on, baby. And they were like, we sold out in 24 hours. So people started to think... What are the lineups for happened. Reading and Leeds? I haven't oh, gosh, I haven't even yeah. looked. Hang on, right. Yeah, you get Leeds, I'll get Reading. <laughs> Reading <laughs> They're the same. They're the same. Uh, oh, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Hang on. Reading Festival. Oh, God. Is that it? Liam Gallagher... Yeah, of course. Um, Does he Queens play of the Stone Age. Yeah, I I think he has some kind of deal with uh, the Reading Festival. Hang on there now. Charlie XCX, Disclosure, Doja Cat, Liam Gallagher, Mabel, uh, Catfish and the Bottom Men, Sacred are kind of the the main main big ones. Uh, B Biba Doobie. Which I avoided yeah. saying in case I said it wrong, but there we go. I like the best. way you said it, though. I like the way you said be, it. Be badoobie? <laughs> is that, is that, I how don't do you know. say it? I, don't, I honestly don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've only seen yeah. it written down. Be badoobie? Yeah, me too. Be badoobie. <laughs> yeah, it looks right. Looks right to me. Mm. Um, okay, so that's Reading and Leeds. Um, and what is also happening in, in Europe is that the festivals like Lowlands, who also have Liam Gallagher. <laughs> the Chemical Brothers, Slayford Mods, and stuff like that on their lineup in the Netherlands. Uh, they are planning to go ahead, but they also admit at the same time that they cannot predict the future in terms of international touring acts. And this is the thing at the moment. And they their statement said, due to measures that may apply during Lowlands, it may turn out that not all acts will be able to attend. We are not only dependent on measures in the Netherlands, but also on these those in countries where acts come from and are f- going to tour the most important thing at the moment that all these acts have wholeheartedly indicated that we're there when the circumstances permit that's a big if you know is we like, I like to yeah. think wholeheartedly indicated that they'll be there is kind of like the thumbs up emoji in whatsapp yeah, just yeah, like yeah. coming yeah, through like yeah man. no bother yeah yeah it'll totally be there yeah so I mean for if any of the festivals these festivals do go ahead a lot of the acts that are on the bill from international may or may not be able to travel so a lot of them will be a lot of the lineups will come from um the national uh, acts uh, local acts that kind of stuff because it doesn't really make sense and it's going to be very difficult in terms of uh, logistics to get an international touring act um, across different uh, countries when all the vaccination programs and people are in different places there may be quarantines in place 
how is that going to work? It's just not. It's and there's also work. the B word. In Brexit. The Brexit in the UK, mm-hmm. that could also affect things in terms of tours and, and the costs and prohibitive costs, all that kind of stuff. But also there's another big word that uh, needs to be mentioned here because that word is insurance. It's not sexy. It's not It's not cool. But it's... it's Speak it's, for yourself. <laughs> driving a lot of... Uh, driving a lot of... Uh, issues in terms of these UK festivals especially at the moment. Mm. The UK Culture Minister Caroline Dinage has said that the government is reluctant to introduce an insurance scheme for music festivals this summer due to fears that the sector will be given false hope before pulling the rug from underneath them again. That's from an NME article. So that doesn't give uh, promoters like even Melvin Men or anyone who's looking to put on a festival at the moment and there's plenty of them being announced Mm. um, at the moment. That doesn't give a lot of people hope. Um, that means especially smaller tra- festivals who can't afford. Yeah. I mean, if if you're talking about something like Reading or or one of the kind of huge festivals, you'd imagine there'd be a little bit more leeway there. Yeah, in, totally. In case of, but, there's, but for smaller festivals, that like you'd imagine there'd just be no point in putting it on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I can see that happening or not happening, but um, yeah, so that's mm. a mixed message. It was like we're going to reopen, so probably most likely those big big festivals in the UK. It would be a miracle, I think, if they still went ahead at the moment based on that, based on that uncertainty, because the uncertainty is still there. The uncertainty in terms of the numbers and in terms of the money that people who what promoter wants to put money down and then maybe lose it all on the on with no uh, backup plan or no uh, safety net. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the UK is planning is doing some test events for crowds with no uh, social distancing at the moment. Um, the events research program ERP will come up soon and includes the World Snooker Championship final on April 17th, the FA Cup final at Wembley Stadium on May 5th, 15th and the Brit Awards, the important Brit Awards at London's O2 Arena, uh, also in May, two days later. So they are trying to do this. What is going on? I don't you? know. <laughs> you, your video has turned into the den. <laughs> You've like VHS defect tape. This could happen. It's my my camera's very just gone cool. nuts. It's very <laughs> cool. Oh, there. Oh, we go. there you go. Okay, I don't know what it's, happened there. <laughs> Sorry, was... I just completely lost the track of what you were saying there. Yeah, sure. Okay no, that. no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All of our stuff is haunted this week. Oh, oh God, here's it's got it again. <laughs> Try to ignore it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're gonna All get right. through this podcast one way or another. Yes. Now. Yes, yes, we are. What else is also happening is the UK government is also considering using COVID-19 certificates to help uh, prove people that have been vaccinated and all that kind of stuff um, so that they can go to large-scale events, concerts, sports, all that kind of stuff. The UK Cultural Secretary Oliver Dowden said uh, that the certificates would, would show if someone was vaccinated or amongst the seven initiatives that the UK is piling to enable the mass return to fans this summer. Um, so that's the other thing I've seen a digital health kind of passport thing also being mentioned as one of the things that may um, be used I don't the practicalities of actually doing that though um, we aren't in that position at the moment because you know okay if it gets to June in the UK what happens um, well you have to prove you're vaccinated to go into an event if not you have to take a test on the door where do those people who have to take a test on the door even if it's a 15 minute test where do they hold where are they held where do they go um, this is a potential. What if they're all really drunk? What if they're all really drunk and touching each other? Yeah. Um, which they'd be likely to do and they should be doing. Which leads us to the border issue. Um, because the UK is reopening at a faster rate than Ireland is, than the Republic of Ireland is, basically Northern Irish 
acts and Northern Irish gigs and, and events could possibly go ahead way before the Republic of Ireland. And, you know, there isn't much to stop people from going up. So how is that going to practically work? Mm-hmm. I think that's something that I have not really heard an awful lot about. And I think it could be very problematic down the line. What's going to happen is who's going to stop, who's going to stop people from trying to go to an event? Like we've been starved from events for a year. And mm-hmm. if, if, if gigs start happening in, in Belfast or Derry or wherever else up, up North, what happens? What happens from someone from uh, Dublin goes up on a bus and go, yeah. tries to go to a gig? Um, and those things are, we don't really know yet how that's going to work. And it's a very un- unique situation that Ireland is in because of that, because, you know, we've got two different systems operating on the same island. And that is, uh, I don't know if it's really been thought about yet. I'm sure people are thinking about it, but I don't know if the Irish government are thinking about it, put that way. Yeah, because when it comes to borders in kind of like mainland Europe, like a lot of those countries are under the same kind of EU vaccination program as, as we are. So yeah. we are... We are pretty unique in 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 that sense, and I think it's going to be a nightmare. I really yeah. do. Yeah, I think it's it's all quite unforeseen um, at the moment. But okay, so what can we hope for by the end of the year in terms of gigs? Uh, I would say it seems that uh, anything before September is unlikely to happen in terms of even socially distant gigs because until our vaccination program gets to a point where enough people are vaccinated and we can start to do socially distant gigs. I know there's a pushback obviously here in terms of like uh, vaccination passports, all that kind of stuff. I don't know how that's going to shake out. We No one really does. Mm. And, you know, when you talk to promoters about this, everyone everyone is as clueless as each other, really. Well, I like, think... I- I think for for a while we're going to be looking to the UK and seeing how like when they're putting on bigger crowds that doesn't have social distancing in place, what that's actually going to mean. Like if if it does mean anything for the spread of COVID or or if if they figure out ways to to test people or I, th- I think having the UK be so far ahead of Europe in terms of its vaccine, it's it, like it's kind of good for us because we can look to the UK and kind of take learnings from from what they're doing, whether it's whether it's good or bad, you know. So, yeah, I mean, you're right in a way we get to see what happens when the when uh, another country reopens, even yeah. though we aren't the ones who are able to go to those gigs. So yeah. I think we're, we're definitely going to be in a different place. I mean, and certainly a lot of those gigs that I mentioned at the start that were being announced, they were being announced because they were coinciding with UK tours that were being announced. So those UK gigs or events may go ahead, but it's, there's no guarantee that um, the Irish ones will because some of them are listed for September, October, November, yeah. December. And here we will probably be doing socially distant gigs for some of this year, at least if they do reopen and they could be reduced capacity. If promoters are put on tickets for sale for the likes of dry cleaning, for example, are they um, provisioning that they will be have a reduced capacity we don't really know the answer to that question uh, for most it's of the It's too shows. soon to tell for us. I think yeah. we're, too, we're, just, we're just too far behind. Yeah. And then the likes of the Three Arena as well. I heard that they were uh, putting, sending out reduced uh, capacity plans for people who wanted to book the shows. But then there's a whole load of other shows that are already booked in, like the likes of Dua Lipa. Huge world tours, which are an absolute ball ache to uh, reschedule. But they're just being constantly rescheduled. Mm. And that's what, that's what the promotion game is at the moment, is the rescheduling industry. So um, I'm, I can say, I, don't, I think we could safely say that it'll be a, the earliest I could see a nightclub reopening is December, but it's probably going to be next year. And that is 
very upsetting yeah. <laughs> for me personally. Um, I'm really looking forward to that, and uh, but look, I'm just looking forward to being at a gig again, obviously. But I'm 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 a cautious optimist, is how. Yeah, I, I mean, you've you've been it. rescheduling a couple of gigs since last March, yeah. so I mean, it's going to be two years. Those like the the gig I have with uh, Denise and God knows and all of the PX crew and uh, and from more and Bantam and all the friends. They are, that's now going to happen two years after. I mean, that's a gig that was scheduled before Denise released her album, before The Choice, before... 18th of March 2020. Yeah, all of that, like, it's, yeah, God. Yeah, crazy stuff. So, look, I mean, I think that's where we're at at the moment. And and the answer really is we don't know, but we're going to be keeping an eye on the UK and what goes on there and maybe hoping to learn a bit from what we could do better here in terms of uh, the rollout of a rollback of gigs or whatever mm. you want to call it. But also, I wanted to finish this uh, section by uh, playing two songs, bits of two songs, um, that kind of spoke to that experience of a year without gigs and um, from two different perspectives. Uh, the first song I'm going to play is from Charlotte Edigiri, who is a Belgian artist, who is one of the artists I saw. One of my last like gigs I saw was in Eurosonic uh, 2020, uh, in January 2020, uh, in Groningen, and uh, she was great. Clearly had a lot of activity. We were talking about doing a, a gig in in Dublin as well, like that last May. Obviously, you know, that could happen. Um, but this song just came out last week and it's the first time um, a year in that I've heard a song that directly references, you know, an artist's stasis and, and the, their uh, inability to move forward and emerge as an artist. So here is a bit of uh, Charlotte Didgeridoo's song. It's called Bear With Me and I'll Stand Before. I'm finally home They say there's dolphins in Venice I say I'm finally home But then again, what about music? I'm scared you'll forget my name I can't help feeling so hopeless Life's dreams weren't part of the dream Bear with me and I'll stand back before you Bear with me and I'll stand back before you Bear with me and I'll stand back before you Bear with me and I'll stand back Okay, that was Charlotte Didgeri. You may have heard the uh, line there, live streams weren't part of the dream. No, they were not at all. Um, And for a lot of people, they are feeling that. A lot of artists are feeling that. But that's the first song I've heard where somebody's really um, articulated that idea, you know, and especially a new emerging artist who was getting a lot of uh, attention and doing really well. And then just to have to stall um we are growing closer as we watch the world drift apart is what she says it's another thing i heard in another song this week from a a dublin artist called finch who is a dublin uh, burner records artist he did a song out last week called soon produced by uh, willhouse and this is kind of a from a personal perspective as opposed to an artist's perspective um, it's got a real uh dublin vibe to it i think uh he to give you a background to the song 
Uh, I think everyone has been reflecting on our current situation and consider we're a year into a pandemic. I felt this is the right track to bring out almost as if it's an anniversary. I didn't want this track to mirror the 6-1 news and regurgitate how we're all bollocksed. Instead, I wanted to see a glimmer of hope, the light at the end of the tunnel. It's why we called it soon and uh, there's no time frame to normality's return. So it's an abstraction. So yeah, this is the uh, Finch uh, with soon and this kind of articulates the uh, desire for people to get back and just experience that live um, buzz again. In the book, unless a dollar bill will be laughing it up. Still coy like the realest Mac. Act all aloof if you try me bulletproof. Yeah, me and my G's. No 50 cent rocking Argos's timepiece. And in the harper or the Kezi where you'll find me. Simple man, double vodka red for a dime piece. Then a point, please. Kind of my right in the love of a 90k job. I support Leinster and I vote Fina Farm. No, fuck that. No posh cosplaying here. Not for fear, nor for circumstance. Hope one day soon we get the fucking dance. I hope one day soon we get the fucking dance. I'm gonna cut shapes, cut loose when I get the chance. Floating as I am. Another day down is another race run is. Another day down is another race run, it's all okay. It's alright. It's grand now. And I should spend my time not thinking of how to stand out right now. It's grand now. Hopefully it will be grand in the future. And uh, yeah, so I just thought I heard those this week. I thought it was a, a nice uh, diptych of, of the same kind of idea from two sides of the coin. And uh, so there we are. Um, that is Charlotte Didri and Finch. And uh, hopefully we'll get back to some live music some point in the future. I don't well, know. I'm Whoa. tonight going to be watching Pillow Queens. At Pillow Queens. PM. Very excited A holy for that. show. A holy very show. Um, very much looking forward to that. I um, I actually had... I, I, I think when everybody jumped on to live streams, I didn't quite embrace them as much like I watch the courage series I watch other voices but the, yeah. the, the kind of uh, individual live streams I, I didn't watch a whole lot of um so now I'm sort of getting on that wavelength on that bandwagon um so I'm looking forward to that tonight gonna have a little glass of wine with the girls and by the girls I mean the members of pillow queens um great so yeah <laughs> that's the that's the vibe good good stuff good stuff all right, Andrea, it's time to talk about Lana Del Rey and Chemtrails over the country club. Let's hear the title track. Wearing our jewels in the swimming pool, me and my sister just playing it cool under the chemtrails over the country club. Take out your turn. All of your jewels Go to the market The kids swimming pools Baby, what's your sign? My moon's in Leo My cancer is sun You won't play You're no fun Well, I don't care What they think Drag race ain't my I'm 
because there's nothing wrong Contemplating God under the chemtrails over the country club Wearing our shoes in the swimming pool Me and my sister just playing it cool Under the chemtrails over the country club Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this album actually um, It is an album that you know, in in a month where there hasn't been much, it's it's nice to have heard from Lana. So, um, yeah, so Chemtrails Over the Country Club, obviously following up 2019's uh, Norman fucking Rockwell, an album that you, I, and the rest of the world adored, absolutely yep, loved. Absolutely. Um, and an album that I kind of still haven't stopped listening to uh to be honest i'm still very much happy being in that world and you know lana del rey she is she's an artist who's almost obsessed with creating a a legacy or creating her own legacy and that aspect of her music was something that didn't initially click with me it actually kind of turned me off her a little bit i found a lot of her early work kind of more concerned with romanticizing the American dream than actually dismantling it. Um, and then with Norman fucking Rockwell, something shifted. It, it, it sunk in with me and I think with a lot of other people. And it was kind of no surprise that such a timely, critical album struck a note with this generation in particular, the uh, generation of millennials who are old enough now to start considering their own legacy and, and their own place within the world. And as as a millennial artist or an artist that creates music for millennials, I think she's very interesting because she engages with nostalgia in a way that is very familiar yeah. to millennials. It's very image-based. Like most of our lives, we curate and share snapshots of our lives and are aware of and even kind of embracing artifice in, in, in a way that she also kind of does really, really well. Um, and she's also very concerned with distilling whole generations and their problems and their sense of ennui in, into the idea of that kind of single image. So on, on Norman fucking Rockwell, I think the step up lyrically was massive. I think you 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 felt that way about it as well. Like it was it was a it was a huge huge change um from who who she was to who she became. And now on Chemtrails, I think she's very much riding on the crest of that wave. I and where Norman fucking Rockwell looked to America's past to say th- something about its present, Chemtrails is tracking Lana's career um in in a kind of similar narrative vein through this lens of love and fame and success um and i think she she manages to to kind of engage with america as a as an image really well on on these last two albums i think rather than romanticizing kind of problematic aspects of it which i think she did a, a bit or she kind of was guilty of beforehand she kind of uses these images as backdrops to the Shape, to shape-shifting relationship that millennials have with their own past and how they form their own narratives to kind of better understand themselves. So, you know, the iconography of the American dream, that's her playground. And I think it, it is in, it, it is it, the kind of post-Norman fucking Rockwell, Lana Del Rey is, she's very, very comfortable playing around with those ideas, actually experimenting um, within that. So I think... 
through Norman fucking Rockwell did that for America and now in Chemtrails she's kind of pairing it with the story of her own career like if, if Norman fucking Rockwell is a thesis then Chemtrails Over the Country Club is a case study with Lana at, at the center of it so I, I think it opens really interestingly actually I mean the first thing to say about this album is that it is not the the same kind of lush sonic sa- soundscape that we got on Norman fucking Rockwell. It's incredibly pared no. back. Um, if there are more than two instruments, there it, it, there won't be more than four or five on on each song. There's no big swelling strings. It's very very pared back. And after the grand statements and grand instrumentation of Norman fucking Rockwell, the opening track of Chemtrails, uh, White Dress finds her whisper singing about working as a waitress the last time that she felt that she had uh, got this quote when she was 19 years old and her future in the music business was very bright and very hopeful and there's a sense there's a real sense of innocence there a sense again like a nostalgia for simpler times um it's such a scene and i felt seen she says in it it's it's a very romantic archetypical image of the American dream, you know, the low paid worker at the cusp of making it, wearing a white dress, in love with this nameless man, feeling seen for the first time. It's all very Lana Del Rey. It's very kind of pared down to this one image. And then at at the very end of the song, she kind of, she she sings, it kind of makes me feel maybe I was better off uh, in the closing lines. And just do doing what she does really, really well and what she did really well in that last album, which is to keep the kind of the crux of the image for the last crucial moment when it when it kind of matters the most. And I think White Dress is I think it's a deeply millennial song, actually. Like, I think another defining characteristic that is often used against millennials is the sense imbued in us by our parents generation that anything is possible if we if we work hard enough anything's possible if we put our mind to it and so that image of Lana working as a waitress and working towards getting her music career off the ground and singing in this like very high register almost like parodying youth in 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 that way I think it captures that very sentimental last moment of innocence before the reality of fame and the capitalistic um, nature of success is is both achieved and enforced on her. Like maybe she was better off when the American dream was just a dream for her before, because achieving it exposes it for the lie that it is. I think it's it's it, it's a really cool way to distill a, a, a lot of the problems that she has with with fame into a kind of a an opening statement on on the record. And that kind of whispered, subdued sonic space of the first song persists throughout the whole record. If Norman fucking Rockwell was, as as she sang on that album, the fireball that was hurtling towards L.A., then I think Chemtrails is the aftermath of that L.A. fireball. It's the eerie silence and the kind of it's she's left in a state where the only story left is kind of being her own is, is her own story and her own narrative. And. It it is fame that she's primarily concerned with throughout the album. Um, Dark but just a game is another really interesting song. I think at the, that takes a look at the price of fame. Um, 
she has lines like pretty little fools taking them for what they've got the best ones lost their mind I I think it, it captures a, an interesting disparity between the kind of frivolous nature of fame in the music industry and also the very serious consequences of playing that game. Um, this comes up again later, actually, on Breaking Up Slowly when Nikki Lane sings, I don't want to live a life of regret. I don't want to end up like Tammy Wynette. Um, oh, I love that song. Uh, why isn't Nikki Lane credited on it, do you think? Odd. Yeah, I, I didn't know that she was on it until I was reading The Genius or that she was credited on it until I was reading The the Genius um, annotations, which I thought was odd, or The Genius lyrics. But um, I think Dark But Just a Game is also a song that kind of reflects maybe the kind of digging in her heels side of Lana Del Rey that people find a little bit frustrating or maybe other people love that about her. It, it, it is a frustrating allegiance to her own stances. Like she's telling us she is not going to change because to do so would put her in danger of her character vanishing into mediocrity. There's a line on it, while the world is crazy, we're making out and in the parking lot and I think that's a very telling image when it comes to Lana Del Rey the whole, where the whole world could be burning around her but her allegiance ultimately is to the aesthetic of that um, and that's not something that is I don't think necessarily a bad thing I think we saw what artifice could do on that last record and the value that using artifice in music and in the kind of the the images that surround it can have when you hold a mirror up to it, which which she did so well on that last record. And we see some glimmers of it here. Like I think the central image of the chemtrails flying over the country club is, for example, completely brilliant. Like it that encapsulates so much in terms of anxieties around like wealth and conspiracy and transparency and transience and looking at the wealthy class from within and the the privilege and distraction that that wealth brings and she engages with her own constructed mythology which is a distinctly white middle class wealth obsessed class really that engages engages with aesthetics with the kind of freedom that only they can have like she's wearing jewels in the swimming pool because she's not worried about losing them like she's on the run with a lover and she's shopping at the Brentwood market she's wild and she's free and she's comparing astrological charts but the freedom that she's singing about there and that kind of wildness and freedom is bound within class and I think in that song the country club just stands like a fortress within which she can play at being wild and free, but ultimately she's aware that she's engaging in a fantasy. And it's a fantasy that can only exist when you have the safety of wealth um, and you have this, the, the safety of playing within the aesthetics of wealth as well. And I, I, it's, it's the best song on the album, I think by a mile, um, because it is so like Norman fucking Rockwell and it stands kind of a part I have I have a lot of issues with this album which I will get to but I I, I I want to also mention the the closer for free which is a Joni Mitchell song um and she covers it uh with uh Wise Blood and Zella Day who she performed it with on the last tour uh, and they both sing and feature on this one as well and I think as a song like it sums up a lot of the themes of the album there's the kind of disparity between 
famous musicians and musicians who are playing for free. I mean, the album opening up with Lana playing music for free in white dress, working through the cost of fame throughout the record. And now kind of circling back and watching a man playing a clarinet for free while she plays for fortune and curtain calls. I think that those two songs kind of bookend the the album really, really well. And it also has that Jules reference that kind of uh, ties in with chemtrails mm. as well. You know, mm-hmm. I went shopping today for Jules. Yeah, she's still very much wrapped up in in that mythological aesthetic that she has of roses and jewels and the American flag and uh, Cadillacs and the open road and all of that kind of stuff. But I think there are some songs that don't work as well for me on this album i actually find the love songs on the album to be a bit lacking um and i think they lean a little bit too hard into the kind of curated image that she has been criticized for in the past um you know the being the girlfriend of an alcoholic or the couple who ignore the world burning around them because they only have time for each other and i think uh, so we're talking about Tulsa Jesus Freak and uh, actually Wild at Heart as well. I think those are both songs that had the potential to comment on the kind of navel gazing selfishness that we find ourselves in in the early stages of relationships where you don't care about politics, you don't care about anything else, you just care about each other. And isn't that nice? And I just think that she fall, she falls short of actually saying anything interesting about those. I think she just presents us with an image. Um, and it's not like it's an image we haven't seen from her before. I don't learn a lot about her from those two songs. And again, like, I feel like those songs would have been fine before Norman fucking Rockwell. But now that we know that she can use... That that she can use rom- romanticization, I suppose, as a means for criticism. On these tracks, she just kind of it just kind of feels like she's just not bothered doing that. She she doesn't want to hold up that mirror, you know. And let like let let me love you like a woman is is still a love song, and it's still relatively surface level. But she at least addresses her need to like get out of LA and her willingness to kind of leave leave her man behind to get out because the place is completely killing her. But again, I don't know what we truly learn about her own story, if if that is what she's doing, if, if she is kind of offering us her narrative as, a, as an example of the American dream. I don't know what we learn about having three songs that seem to kind of say the same thing in a very, very similar way. Even musically, they're incredibly similar songs. And that that to me is the big letdown on the album. But I think Chemtrails, the album I think was destined to be more underwhelming than Norman fucking Rockwell. And I think she's aware of that as well. Like it's, it is stripped back. It's less concerned with the grand statements and it's much more concerned with her own rise through fame and heartache and her re- reflecting on her self mythology um and it's something she's aware of because she she seems at moments in the album to kind of break out of it and see it see her her character or her front the front facing Lana Del Rey for the artifice that it is and I think those are the most interesting moments in, on the album like we learn that it's in the artifice the nostalgia and the very carefully constructed aesthetic 
that she feels safest as an artist and as a person and as a woman and as somebody in a relationship. And I think that that is really interesting. Like the price of fame, as she sees it, costs too much for people who give them their whole selves. So rather than offering her own story completely raw and meaningfully, she spends the time to create this narrative of what happened and and, and how it happened. It doesn't work as well as Norman fucking Rockwell because just simply it couldn't. The themes of that album went so far beyond herself and even beyond America or her America that it resonated and it resonated at a time when people were ready to shift into a new political and social phase. Now we're kind of a little ways into that phase and America is politically finding its feet after Trump. She's stepping away from these grander statements and looking inward again. And I mean, there's definitely more sincerity here than her pre-Norman fucking Rockwell days, but the artifice and the walls and the guards are still very much intact. But I think at least now she's comfortable with recognizing them for for what they are. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of, yeah, those are my thoughts anyway. Yeah, I thought this was going to be a companion album um, it feels more a companion album mm. more of an epilogue really as opposed to you know it was supposed to come out last year and then it took it was a quite delayed mm. so it came eight nine months ago originally i think yeah she has already announced an actual follow-up as well to this yeah on june 1st called rock candy suite so that's interesting i think i think She's definitely not stopping they, yet. like these two albums in in terms of her career, these two albums will stand together. Mm. Um, who knows about this third one? Maybe she's going to be she's going to do it in a, in a kind of a trilogy way. And they are companion pieces, where, like, like I said, Norman Rockwell is this grand statement of intent, statement on the world, statement on you know the state of humanity. Whereas this album is much more inward looking. And it can kind of by by the very virtue of what it is, it will not it cannot resonate really in the same way because we we as listeners don't know what the, <laughs> what the price of fame is. We, we we can only see it from from the outside. So what what she does really well on on chemtrails is to kind of is to not present her story as her story, but to present it as a story. Or it's as though Norman fucking Rockwell was a kind of a blueprint and she has applied that to her own life. She's still very much constructing the narrative and she's still very much doing it in a way that is, I feel like it's really, really important to her that she gets the aesthetics right and not just in her image and how she and her music videos, which are a really important part of her as an artist, but also this is a very image-based album. Like she's, you know, those, those lyrics that I mentioned about like the world is burning and we're kissing in the parking lot or whatever. Like she's, she's really, really concerned with paring down um the world and her understanding of the world and the changing political landscape into a very hyper romantic um Im- image of that, that that could be 
a Norman Rockwell painting or could it but but very much applied to her life and I think yeah that ultimately is the downfall of of this record because she isn't speaking to an America or a global landscape that a lot of us connected with on on Norman Rockwell like when she sang about LA being in flames um when she sang about Kanye West all of those things they made sense to us because they were things that we were connecting with whereas having I guess so much focus on on problematic relationships and I'm I'm not somebody who's overly critical I I understand what she is doing when she's kind of romanticizing problematic relationships I don't always understand it and I don't always think that she gets it right and I think there are a couple of times in this album where she doesn't get it right actually she's where she's not actually using that kind of um mythologizing image-based um very romanticized idea of relationships in order to critique them and I think that she's also not really managing to represent as I know she thinks she's doing because she said it before she said that there needs to be space in the music industry for women who are um submissive and for women who want to kind of play that role I just don't think she manages to get it across in the love songs on uh, on this album I think once again where she is best is looking at the state of the world. This is not something that I would have ever said about Lana Del Rey four years ago, by the way. But I think she is she's an amazing uh, artist to distill the state of the world and the anxieties of the world into a very curated, aesthetically pleasing and aesthetically satisfying image. And she doesn't do it enough here for me. But where she does do it, uh, for example on chemtrails for example on white dress i think she does it brilliantly um so yeah a dis- disappointing record if i thought it was going to be as good as norman rockwell but i kind of knew it wasn't so ultimately i ended up pleasantly surprised i ended up uh, coming out of this with a couple of land Ray songs that i think are as good as anything on on norman rockwell so well it's certainly one of the most interesting albums we've had this month it's probably the most interesting album in a while. If she has that magnetism in terms of storytelling, she doesn't always get it right. And more than that, announcing the new album seems like some sort of unfinished business that might be addressed for Lana. There's a lot of stuff about her Instagram account when she was saying, changing the world by putting my life and thoughts and love out there on the table 24-7. Respect it. Yeah, so in announcing Rock Candy Sweet, which is supposedly out on June 1st, she also uh, put some comments along the, the Harper's Bazaar article that highlighted her comments and said, Just want to thank you again for the kind articles like this one for reminding me that my career was built on a cultural appropriation and glamorizing domestic abuse. She writes over a screenshot of the article, I will continue to challenge those thoughts on my next record on June 1st, titled Rock Candy Sweet. So ever the self-promoter, even even when announcing an album and then clapping back. Yeah, I mean, she's like being being a Lana Del Rey fan, which I now sort of have to admit that I am, is really complicated because and uh, Louise Bruton wrote brilliantly on this in the, the Business Post a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, it For me, it's like 
standing in a gallery and looking at a painting and having an emotional response to it and then having the artist walk up to you and explain what the painting means it's like I don't I don't actually need that and I don't need you to tell me that like it's it's like the artist coming over and being like everybody said that this was really bad and really offensive but actually here's what I was trying to do it's like no just trust me enough to understand what you're trying to do and I think with Lana like she I just ignore what she does on social media and all of that stuff because I genuinely just think that that someone needs to take the phone away from her but I can't deny that when she gets it right she gets it so so right and I don't like I'm not that confident that she's going to have another Norman fucking Rockwell I mean she can't she can't do that again but I really hope that she continues to kind of examine what artifice means to her and to own it like and I think that's what she when when she's good it's within those times when she is owning her own self-mythologizing and when she's bad it's when she's falling into the traps of doing it because to her it's easy um with the whole you know romanticizing uh, domestic abuse thing it, it is it's incredibly complicated and it, again it's one of those things that sometimes she's gotten right and sometimes she's gotten wrong um but she's an artist that I think we just have to for me I just kind of have to listen to her music and ignore everything else that she's doing I, I didn't even like the I really didn't like the music video for Chemtrails or the country club oh and yeah I the, the kind of loop really really stuff, didn't yeah. like it yeah and I'm, I I actually honestly don't engage that much with her music videos because to me they do feel a bit like she's explaining an aesthetic uh, visually that I can understand sonically when she gets it right. When she does it well, I can understand it in, in, in the music and kind of take my own, um, take, take something of my own from it. Whereas, yeah, maybe sometimes when... What, when she's moving over into the kind of visual aesthetic things, I feel like she's explaining it a bit too much to me. Maybe <laughs> she is that artist kind of coming coming up and yeah. Yeah, that's probably one of Lana's greatest achievements is that she's managed to separate the visual and iconography aspect of her music from when we started with video games. Obviously, it's a great song, but it's very much tied in the package together. Now you can listen to an album like Norman Rockwell and mm. uh, Chemtrails uh, separately without the art without the visual uh, aspect of it and I find that quite refreshing and it gives me um, it's, it's yeah. very much a listening experience and I like that as opposed to being both well Nor- Norman Rockwell as an album is is like is the most visual thing she's ever done like there's there, there are images on that album that she sings about that I still think about to this day and I don't I don't need to see them rendered in music videos to understand them like when when her lyrics are good she can create worlds um and i i think again with chemtrails she really really with chemtrails the song she really hit the nail on the head with that but and with white dress but elsewhere i found it really hard to kind of lean into um how great she is as a visual songwriter um because it just sort of yeah, like I said, just sort of uh, leans a little bit too heavy on on what she finds comfortable. Okay, let's play a bit of either White Dress or Breaking Up Slowly. What do you want to hear? Uh, white Dress, please. Oh. 
Lana Del Rey. Yeah, so what are you going to do? So you're watching Pillow Queens tonight. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any plans really this weekend. Sure, I don't have plans. Mm. Uh, Well, next uh, weekend's the big weekend. Next weekend we get to eat chocolate. Oh, yes. (laughs) And uh, lambs, apparently, according to my Lidl and Aldi little magazines that come through the door. Lamb, which uh, I I don't like the idea of. Um, No, yeah, so um, other things this month was um i've been getting into the great pottery throwdown oh yeah yeah what, is, what channel is this on that it, it is channel four so you can get it on all four there's two seasons up there <clears throat> um yes. the first season was hosted by mel somebody i yeah. can't remember her surname and the second season is um siobhan sweeney from she's the um she plays the nun in Derry Girls. She oh, hosts yeah, it. Yeah, she's yeah, absolutely yeah. brilliant. She's so so good. Um, you'll love it. I think it's better than Bake Off. I have cried in almost every episode because they're one of the judges is this like giant bear of a man who will just start crying at the mere sight of a good piece of pottery and it's it's just it's a really big hug it's so so nice um so yeah if you're not on the great pottery throwdown uh get get on that i mean like the finale of season one their their big um pottery thing that they had to make was a toilet um so (laughs) there's there's pretty intense stuff happening um so yeah, that's brilliant. Um, what else have I been enjoying this month? Haven't been looking into a whole lot of new music, but um, for those I loved, new or uh, debut record um, is out today. There's a lot of chat in the Discord, people receiving theirs in the post. Very exciting. Um, so I'm going to get on that now and probably listen to that over the weekend. But we've, yeah, we've been chatting a bit recently about like um, how March is a ha- has been... A, a strange month for releases uh, I mean we talked yesterday on the podcast about how there hasn't really been much happening but then today we woke up and there just seemed to be all these releases all of a sudden like we got new t- new tune yards new new antlers for those I love um, we've had two songs from um, from CMAT or music video from CMAT a great new track from Saint Sister uh, who else was there? Soda Blonde, A Mac, A Mac, Soda Blonde. Yeah, so um, maybe this is you know we're we're kicking into gear now for April. Um, yeah. after kind of a slow start to the year, certainly albums wise. Um, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's I, good. Yeah, and it's great to see the For Those I Love album finally uh, be uh, out in the world and to see it getting great reviews in that way, obviously. Yeah. A uh, long time listeners will know we had a, we did a podcast special with Dave and we chat to him uh, summer of 2019 before the album was deleted off Bandcamp and uh, 
before it was now as it is released on September recordings and it's great yeah. that it's out there obviously it's a it's a very heavy album um, mm. so uh, be aware of that if you're going in uh, to listen to it but it is I think it's a very rewarding album at the same time it is. and again yeah it's, a, it's been an absolutely brilliant week for Irish music like the likes of Saint Sister announced a new album great song karaoke song uh, Soda Blonde announcing a new album too we got uh, AMAC has a great video out today called uh, New Friend I haven't seen that yet actually I must, oh, I must watch it's, that yeah bit bit mad and then yeah like you said there's plenty of stuff out i'm looking forward to hearing the l michael's affair album which is kind of this uh i don't know he they did l michael's affair did a album um kind of a funk version of the first wu-tang album back in the day oh okay. and now they kind of make cool like this one is inspired by turkish style funk and mumbai uh soul so it's really interesting also the galway band new dad had their debut six track ep out today yeah um, and fionn regan that. is back with a new song as well so i saw in again in the discord so yeah um, loads of stuff going on it's fantastic Sprints, really good spring is sprung happening. Jesus, <laughs> calm That's down, great. lads. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I what else have I been doing? I have been reading uh, Nisha Dolan's uh, Exciting Times. Oh, movie. you enjoying it so far? Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm almost finished actually. Okay, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Absolutely. I loved yeah, it, I thought it was great sitting there for a while. Yeah, I love the um, contrast between the two people. Um, that uh, the uh, author is seeing mm. in in the book, um, and I think it's very interesting. Uh, other than that, very little else. Very mm. little. I'm else. about to start um, uh, Tracy Thorne's new um, oh, yeah, new book, is. which is exciting. I really enjoyed uh, Naked at the Albert Hall. Um, I think this is maybe her fifth book or something, or her fourth book. She's written a oh, lot that I, wow. that I that I that I didn't know about. So um, yeah, I'm re- reviewing that. So I'll be uh, reading that over the weekend. But that's okay. yeah. There's loads going on compared to this time yesterday when we were having this exact same conversation. We were just complaining yeah. that there's nothing going on. It's great. I know. I have to say, like, I do the new releases every Friday on the site and it t- I just kept expanding. And I was like, mm. even the be- I want to hear the Ben Howard album even as well. The National yeah. Aaron Desner has produced it as well. And there's the Floating Points and Ferro Sanders album out as well. And Tuneyards and Serpent With Feet as well. Really nice. I had to listen to that this morning. A uh, lovely album. It's out. It's called Deacon. Really, um, he's got a, such a unique voice, and it, I think he's really he's found a nice, bright R and B um, sound that really matches it as well. That's mm. uh, I think it's it's really lovely, and there's some lovely uh, some lines that really stood out to me on the first listen, which I can't remember right now, but I don't want to ruin it for you. But you should mm. go and listen to that. It's great. Awesome. Um, okay, cool. great. That's it from us this week. We'll be back uh, with something else next week. Thanks, everyone. And, uh, in the meantime, if you want to support us and join our Discord, it's patreon.com forward slash Nyler9. And Andrea is on a substack. Yeah. Andrea Cleary.substack.com, which you will be moving soon to a new. I'll be platform. moving to a new thing soon, but you can just sign up on that one and I'll I'll move you over. Yeah. And did we we mentioned the CMAT video, didn't we? Yes. We, we did. did of yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Stunning. Best best thing of the week, I think, uh, yesterday. Um, So brilliant. That's great. Okay. We're all happy. Everyone's happy. Have a great weekend. Bye. Enjoy what you're doing.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.